Hello and welcome to another episode of The Payoff Pitch. I'm Paul Valley, your host as always. And for the first time in a very long time, we have an actual Major League Baseball season to talk about the owners, the players. They finally got on the same page, agreeing on Tuesday night to a 60-game season. The last hurdle was some health and safety protocols that they finally got figured out. And they're probably going to be ironing that out as the season goes on, as we get more familiarized with what's going on as far as the COVID pandemic. But we have Major League Baseball, a 60-game season. Basically, what's going to happen here is all the teams, the Orioles, for example, are going to play 40 games against the American League East and then 20 games against the National League East. So then if you look at a team like the Chicago Cubs, for example, they'll play 40 games against the National League Central, and then they'll play 20 games against the, National, against the American League Central. So it's basically you're playing your division, most of your games in your division, 10 games against each divisional opponent, and then your geographical counterpart in the other league. So that's what our 60-game season is going to look like. They're going to play 60 games in 66 days. The first couple of weeks of the season, the Orioles and every other team are going to start off with a 30-man roster that's going to get whittled down to 28. And then for the last month or so, it's going to be a 26-man roster. There will be a trade deadline. Usually the trade deadline will be July 31st this year because of everything going on. It's going to be August 31st. And if you're going to be on a playoff roster, you have to be on that team by no later than September 15th. If you get traded to a team and you join the roster on September 16th, you can play out the rest of the season, but you won't be there in the playoffs. So once again, trade deadline August 31st must be on a major league roster by September 15th to be eligible for the postseason. And look, this isn't what we were hoping for, right? Ideally, we would have had a 162-game season. Ideally, we'd be talking about how the Orioles are in prime position to have the number one pick in the draft next year and get Kumar Rocker, who's supposed to be one of the biggest stud pitchers ever coming out of college. But that's not what happened. Then we were looking for an 82-game season, and the owners and the players could not get on the same page. Then it was 70 games. Then it was 60. Then it was, well, no, we want 70. Then it was back to 60, and now we are settled on 60. There's no getting around it. There's a black eye on the sport of baseball right now. The, the, the players wanted what they were rightfully owed, prorated salary for however many games they're going to play. They're making 37% of their salary this year. These players are making 37% of their salary this year. Mike Trout, who was supposed to make, I believe, $37.4 million this year, Nobody's crying for him. He's still going to make $14 million to play 60 baseball games this year. Hopefully more if you're Mike Trout and you're an Angels fan. But that's a fraction, 37% of what they were supposed to make. These owners who were billionaires, who signed a billion-dollar contract with TBS right before their, their latest proposal to Major League Baseball, yeah, okay, you're not going to make $11 billion like you did last year. You're going to make about... Four or five billion dollars. Boo freaking who, man. Boo freaking who. You know, you can go wipe your tears with thousand dollar bills while the rest of us in America are sitting over here trying to figure out how we're going to pay our bills because we haven't worked in three months. Nobody's crying for baseball players. And look, I may sound angry. I'm not angry. I'm not pissed off. A lot of people are. I'm not because this has been the tone of Major League Baseball for a very long time. 
I was nine years old, about to turn 10, when they went on strike in August of 1994. I remember looking in the TV guide every night as a child, seeing that the Orioles were supposed to be playing, turning on the TV, hoping against hope to catch the game, and there not being one. The innocence of a child just wanting to watch baseball. But I knew back then, like I know now, that it was all about money. And nothing has changed. Nothing will ever change about the game. So am I pissed off? No. I'm irritated. I'm agitated. Because, yes, I am very excited to watch Major League Baseball this year. 60 games is better than no games. But I know that there's a CBA, a new collective bargaining agreement that's right around the corner. They have the rest of this year and all of next season, and then the CBA is up. And they need a new one. They need a new five to ten year plan. And the squabbling will continue. And as ugly as it got this summer, it'll be that much uglier next fall, next winter, next spring, the following spring. It's going to get ugly. And I don't have a lot of hope that they're going to figure it out. My heart of hearts wants to believe that Major League Baseball will get their heads out of their asses, pardon the language, and get something worked out for the benefit of the fans, because you guys are still going to get your money. The players are still going to get paid tens of millions of dollars. The owners are still going to get paid five to tens of billions of dollars. You're going to get your money. Stop thinking about pocket change and start worrying about the fans of your game because you're going to lose them. You thought the 94 strike was bad? You don't have Cal Ripken setting an all-time consecutive game streak. You don't have Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire who are going to make a run at a home run record. You don't have arguably the greatest player in the history of the game in Barry Bonds. You don't have Alex Rodriguez going, trying to go for a 40-40 season. Okay, you have, um, what's the guy's name in Atlanta? I, why can't I remember his name right now? Forgive me, he's a big-time player, and it's just escaping me right now. That's how far away from baseball we've been, but he's a 40-40 guy in in, in Atlanta, you have Juan Soto, who's a, who could be a 40-40 guy in Washington. But those guys aren't going to save the game of baseball if you can't get a CBA figured out and you can't stop arguing over what amounts to pocket change to you. Black guy on the sport, happy it's back, not a lot of hope for the future. So let's just try and live in the moment and enjoy Major League Baseball this year for what it is. We might get to see Adley Rutschman this year. In Baltimore. Now look, the plan was for him to play an entire season at Double A, potentially move up to Triple A at the end of the year, potentially get a September call up. But now there's going to be a 60 man. There's going to be 60 men to pick from for the Orioles, for every team. You have your 30 man roster, and then you're going to have 30 men on the taxi squad. Adley Rutschman is going to be on that taxi squad. Adley Rutschman could be playing a couple of games in Baltimore at the end of the season. Ryan Mountcastle, who was supposed to start the year at AAA, they were going to say because he had some stuff to work on, don't be fooled, it was going to be for service time issues. Ryan Mountcastle is probably going to be in your opening day lineup. If I had to guess, I think he's going to be your opening day either left fielder, DH, or first baseman, depending on what happens with Nunez and Chris Davis. Ryan Mountcastle is going to play 50 to 60 games this year for the Baltimore Orioles and get that first year of service time under his belt. We're not going to see guys like Grayson Rodriguez and D.L. Hall. They'll be on the taxi squad, 
just so they can get their work and then they can do their, their intra-squad games and not lose as much development. Make no mistake about it, there's, there's a year of development lost for these guys. But that's why a guy like D.L. Hall and a guy like Grayson Rodriguez and maybe even a Heston Kerstad or a Hudson Haskin or a Jordan Westberg could be on that taxi squad also. They're not going to see the major leagues, but they want to get some development. They don't want to have a wasted, a full wasted year. A lot to get excited about in Baltimore. Maybe not the wins and loss column for the Orioles, but you're going to see an influx of talent this year. You're going to see Keegan Aiken might crack that starting rotation. He was having a really solid spring, but they want a little bit more seasoning. You might see him in that starting rotation now. 60 games, 12 starts. You could see Keegan Aiken. You could see Dean Kramer. It remains to be seen, but in a basically lost season where every team has a shot because any team can get hot for a 60-game stretch, the Orioles provide a lot of excitement that we haven't been able to talk about for a couple of years here in Baltimore. So, yes, that has me excited for Major League Baseball. Collective bargaining agreement has me terrified for Major League Baseball, but hopefully we're still doing this show when that, when that issue comes up, and we'll delve into that then. Now, switching gears here a little bit, there is something else that I wanted to talk about today. There's been a lot of programming recently. We've been without sports for three months, folks. So there's been a lot of documentaries. There was The Last Dance. The whole, it was the Chicago Bulls um, documentary, but it was really a Michael Jordan documentary. It was fantastic. There was a 30 for 30 on Lance Armstrong, Bruce Lee. Then we had Long Gone Summer. 30 for 30 documentary that won award to indie film festivals about Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa and their chase of Roger Maris in 1998 that we just dove into a little bit a couple minutes ago. And then we had the documentary on MLB Network this past Sunday called Junior. Now, if anybody knows me, you know Ken Griffey Jr. is my favorite player of all time. And if it weren't for injuries, I think he'd be your all-time home run leader. I think he and Barry Bonds would be neck and neck. And then I saw something that I see a lot on Twitter, and it, it bothered me. MLB, the MLB Twitter handle, posts on their page the other day four pictures. They said, which one is more iconic? And it's a picture of Babe Ruth. Jackie Robinson, Roberto Clemente, okay, okay, and Derek Jeter. Don't get me wrong. Derek Jeter was a solid baseball player on a great team for a long damn time. Derek Jeter was a good baseball player. Not great, but good. Several 200-hit seasons over 3,400 hits, a 310 lifetime batting average, a career war since people like to be all about sabermetrics these days and you know, all about wins above replacement, a career war of 71.3. Derek Jeter was a damn good baseball player. He deserves his rightful spot in the Hall of Fame. He deserves to be there. But do not, do not put him in the same air as Babe Ruth, Jackie Robinson, and Roberto Clemente. Is Derek Jeter a top 50 player all time? Of course he is. Of course he is. He was the captain of a, world, of a team that won five World Series championships. 
3,465 hits, a 310 batting average. Derek Jeter was a great, he was a good, if not great, baseball player. He ain't no damn Babe Ruth. All right, if Derek Jeter played anywhere else, if he played in Milwaukee, Kansas City, Minnesota, Texas, Florida, California, if he played anywhere but New York, he's in the Hall of Fame, but he's Paul Molitor, a Hall of Fame player that nobody talks about. Paul Molitor, 75.7 more, higher than Derek Jeter. 3,319 hits, a career slash line of 306, 369, 448. Derek Jeter, 310, 377, 440. They're basically the same player. They are basically the same player. And nobody talks about Paul Molitor. Not the way they talk about Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter, I'm sorry, I'm going to get a lot of hate for this. He is not a legend of the game. He was a right player, right place kind of guy. He went out there, he played all the time, he played every game for the most part. He, got, he hit the ball, a lot of singles, 140 double season in his entire career. A lot of hits, got on base, and he was part of a core group of players that were able to put it all together and win five world championships. People talk about Derek Jeter like he wasn't surrounded by Jorge Posada and Bernie Williams and Mark Teixeira and Alex Rodriguez and Roger Clemens and Andy Pettit and Wade Boggs. People act like this guy wasn't surrounded by Hall of Fame caliber players his entire career. Oh, and Mariano Rivera. How could I forget Mariano Rivera, the only unanimous inductee into the Hall of Fame? Mike Mussina, the only pitcher to win 20 games in his final season and then retire, who just got into the Hall of Fame. We know him in Baltimore. Derek Jeter was surrounded by all-star and Hall of Fame caliber players. Again, you put Derek Jeter in Milwaukee, Kansas City, Minnesota, any other city in Major League Baseball, he's a Hall of Famer, but he's Paul Molitor. Hell, you put Paul Molitor in New York, and he's, he's as revered as Derek Jeter. I'm just tired of the guy. He, again, good baseball player for a long time for a great team. Tired of him being rammed down my throat because he's not a legend. He was just in the right place at the right time. But then you look at other guys, and, we were talk, and I started off talking about long gone summer, the Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa home run chase story. Neither one of these guys are in the Hall of Fame. And honestly, I used to think, oh, they did steroids, they shouldn't be. That entire era was the steroid era. They, everybody was doing steroids. More than half the league, you'll never convince me otherwise, probably 60 to 70% of the league was doing steroids when those guys were in their prime. I don't blame them. Everybody else was. You look at Mark McGuire. 583 home runs, a 62.2 career war. A career slash line, 263, 394, 588. Okay, the average isn't where you want it to be. But an on-base percentage of approaching 400, a slugging percentage approaching 600, more than a third of his hits were home runs. He set the rookie home run record in 1987 with 49, and that record lasted for 30 years until another guy in New York, Aaron Judge, came, came along and hit 52 home runs. He then set the major league record for home runs in the season until a roided up Barry Bonds came and hit 73 home runs three years later. Mark McGuire is a Hall of Fame player. 
You can say, oh, steroids, steroids, steroids. Everybody was doing it. And that dude was better than 90% of the league at that time. He should be in the Hall of Fame. Between he and Sammy Sosa, okay, there are eight 60 home run seasons in Major League history. He and Sammy Sosa have five of them. They have five of the eight 60 home run seasons. Sammy Sosa, 58.6 career war, 609 home runs, a career slash line, 273, 344, 534. Those are Hall of Fame numbers when you add them to 609 home runs. The only player in Major League history with three 60 homer seasons. He should be in the Hall of Fame. He should be in the Hall. Steroids didn't make Sammy Sosa hit home runs. Steroids made Sammy Sosa hit 450-foot home runs instead of 420-foot home runs. Make no mistake about it. He and Mark McGuire were two of the best hitters in the game for a long stretch of time. They should both be in the Hall of Fame. So should Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds, not only should he be in the Hall of Fame, he should have been unanimously in the Hall of Fame. They say a 60-war player, 60 wins above replacement is a Hall of Fame player. Barry Bonds had a war of 162.8. 162.8. He had 100 more wins above replacement than the average Hall of Famer. 762 home runs, I don't need to tell you that's a record. Over 2,500 walks, I don't need to tell you that's a record. His war is fourth all time. A career slash line of, 290, of, of a 298, 444, 607. His slugging percentage for his career is over 600. Yeah, Barry Bonds didn't need to take steroids. He was a Hall of Famer before he ever put, stuck a needle in his body. 400 home runs, 400 stolen bases before he ever did steroids. He ended up the all-time leader in home runs had over 500 stolen bases. He is arguably the best play baseball player to ever live. Barry Bonds should be in the Hall of Fame unanimously. And he's in danger of falling off the ballot. And then another player that I want to talk about who I think is the most overlooked, underrated, underappreciated player in the history of the game. And that's Fred McGriff. Fred McGriff had seven straight seasons in the late 80s, early 90s, where he hit 269 or better, got on base at a 375 clip or better, had 31 or more home runs. One year he led the National League in home runs. Another year he led the American League in home runs. In those seven seasons, he was an all-star twice. Fred McGriff had 493 career home runs, 2,490 hits, a career war of 52.6. We said that the threshold's about 60. There's some wiggle room there. 284 career average, 377 on base percentage, 509 slugging percentage. That dude was the heart and soul of that Atlanta Braves team in the mid-'90s that was a dynasty that somehow only managed to win one World Series despite having him, Chipper Jones, Andrew Jones, Tom Glavin, Greg Maddox, Steve Avery, um, John Smoltz. That team was ridiculous. He was the heart and soul of that team. He is 100% deserving of being in the Hall of Fame. I want him to come back and play one more year in his mid-50s just so he can hit seven home runs 
and take his rightful spot in the Hall of Fame. Because the fact that he hasn't even been voted in by the Hall of Fame committee is a travesty. Fred McGriff is a Hall of Fame baseball player and does not get the recognition he deserves because he just went about his business and was a quiet guy who every year at the end of the season was hitting right around 300 with 35 home runs and 120 RBIs. It is a travesty that that man is not in the Hall of Fame. All right. Guys, I'm going to get off my soapbox here. I had a lot to say. That's like the main reason I wanted to do a show today is because I kept seeing all these Derek Jeter posts. I'm seeing these, these documentaries about guys who aren't in the Hall of Fame who should be, like McGuire, Sosa, McGriff. And I just had, I had to get that off my chest. I also wanted to talk about the Major League season. Again, excited that it's happening. Hate the circumstances. Hate, what, hate the future of baseball right now. Hopefully, it doesn't get uglier than it already is. I think it's going to. We'll see. But hey, guys, we are a week away from spring training. Spring training. It's, it's going to be July. Summer camp for Major League Baseball. And we're a month away from the season starting. July 23rd, July 24th, depending on the team. We're going to have Major League Baseball on our television sets. I, for one, can't wait. I hope you can't wait. I can't wait to talk to you more about it. Until then, as always, thanks for tuning in. I'm Paul Valley. Go O's.